Hello, everyone, and welcome to LDC Podcast. I am your host, Sardar, and this is episode 11. For this episode, we've got a dear guest, and we are thrilled to have him here. And this is Dr. Hauraz, who holds a PhD in ELT. Thank you very much, Doctor, for being here and for being on our show. Um, of course, the topic for this episode is teachers and learners in the post-method pedagogy. With Dr. Hauraz, we will be discussing that. We will hear a lot from him. So Dr. Hauraz, welcome again. Please introduce yourself quickly and let's dive in. Well, thank you very much, Mausa Sadar, for having me in this uh, interesting uh, series of podcasts about different types of topics. Uh, my name is Hauras. Uh, I'm uh, teaching at uh, the English department in the College of Education, University of Rapparee. Uh, so I hope uh, we can have a very enjoyable, enjoyable and fruitful uh, discussion today. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, doctor, uh, since the topic basically includes uh, a keyword, let's say, or a term, post-method, so right. how would you define this post-method pedagogy? Well, uh, so before defining it, we have to break the term down into two different words where we have post-method and we have pedagogy. So mm -hmm. post-method is actually related to the after-methods era. Mm -hmm. uh, and in order to understand it, we have to go back to the methods era or the methods age. So uh, methods age is actually uh, related to the uh, the methods emerged in in the, from the mid of the 20th century till the end of the 20th century. Yeah. Uh, at that time, like uh, more than 10 types of different methods emerged. Uh, each one focused on different types of ways of teaching in the classroom. Uh, but the post-method era uh, or the post-method pedagogy actually focuses on uh, like uh, rejecting these different types of methods. In other words, post-method pedagogy is a kind of movement, uh, mm -hmm. uh, is a movement about uh, these dissatisfactions and these limitations that we have seen in the previous methods, in the methods age. Uh, different types of methods emerged, as we said. Each one had weaknesses and good sides, of course. Yeah, strong, strong points. Uh, right. Uh, so post-method pedagogy actually focuses on like uh, not choosing one specific method or following one specific method. It's actually about having uh, a teacher method that's coming from or emerging from uh, the teacher's professional experience in the yeah. classroom. Uh, and uh, usually this the word pedagogy here does not only focus uh, does not only focus on having different instructional practices or instructional mm -hmm. materials or evaluation procedures that we have seen in the previous methods it actually also focuses on historical sociocultural and usually political mm -hmm. uh, dimensions and yeah political dimensions or experiences that teachers should remember or consider when they are teaching a language, because these different types of historical, social, cultural, and political experiences directly or indirectly will have influence on our teaching and uh, on the students' learning in the classroom. Uh, that's what the first method pedagogy actually focuses on. 
Uh, and the, another important point that we have to remember when we talk about post-method pedagogy, it's about uh, usually post-method pedagogy does not support any type of method. Uh, we can say, as, as Allwright in 1991 said that, mm -hmm. we have the death of the method. Wow, the so, death. So no yeah, more methods? Death, <laughs> no more methods at all. So mm -hmm. uh, this means that teachers should not like uh, limit themselves into following one particular one method. Particular one, yes, yes. Right. So, because one particular method may not be practical in your teaching context, may not be applicable in your classroom. Mm -hmm. uh, it may work well in one place, but it may not work the same in another place. Yeah. Uh, that's why teachers should not stick themselves to one particular method. Uh, that's why post-method pedagogy. Uh, is not actually uh, the fan, let's say, the fan of following one particular method. It is about yeah. creating your own method or being eclectic, usually, oh. uh, from uh, like your teaching experience or your professional experience. Yeah. Uh, that's that's what usually the post method pedagogy uh, like uh, aims. To, to convey or to to show to us in 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 this uh, in this context uh, doctor thank you very much that was a quick and brief uh, definition of post method pedagogy and explaining the terms you mentioned one term being eclectic w what does that mean for teachers oh yeah being eclectic means choosing something that works well for you in the classroom uh, so uh, if you follow one method, you may not have like uh, you may not take benefit from that method for all different types of learners and all different types of teaching situations. Mm -hmm. But being eclectic means choosing good points from different types of methods and creating one new method yeah. for yourself. For yourself. Basically combine them. Yeah, combining different types of methods, but not like the whole like principles of the methods, principles like of, just the of, ones, of one method. Mm, I see. Right, I see. Just the ones, just the ones that you might think work well to your classroom. Okay, uh, that's that's what we mean by being eclectic here. Being eclectic and and of course your definition of. Um, post-method pedagogy. Uh, since the title is all about teachers and learners in the post-method pedagogy, then what is the role of uh, teachers right. and learners in this post-method pedagogy, let's say? Well, that, that's very interesting because we as teachers, and we have a lot of learners as well in the classroom, have to be careful about what will be our role as teachers in this post-method pedagogy-like concept. And what should our learners know about this concept again, so that we have more collaboration and we can take benefit from each other better? Mm -hmm. uh, starting with the post-method learner, let's say. Uh, post-method learner is an autonomous learner. So this means that learners uh, should be autonomous academically, mm -hmm. and they should be also autonomous socially. So what we mean by being autonomous academically is actually related to how the students are learning the language themselves. Uh, as you know, learners have different learning styles and yeah. uh, they can learn in different ways. 
not only like following one way of instructional practices that the teachers give. Uh, if the if the learners have this freedom for learning the language, then they would get the like they would learn the language better, and that's what the post the post method pedagogy uh, like uh, wishes for the learners to be like this in this context, mm -hmm. especially in the context of language learning, because if learners are not autonomous. Uh, we may have the same learners that we had in the methods age. Because in, in, in the methods age, learners were not free, actually. So we are, repeating follow... the, we are repeating the past in this case. We are repeating the past, exactly. Uh, so uh, learners should be free. It, it means we as teachers have to give them different types of opportunities to the learners mm -hmm. so that they have more chances to uh, learn the language, not only just the classroom, we can also have different types of uh, opportunities or we can give them different chances to them so that they find their own way that might work with them better than the other ways that we have used in the classroom. So if you provide them different chances for language learning, of course, they would be much more better than sticking to one way of classroom practices, nice. uh, especially teachers provide them these different instructional practices. But in terms of being socially autonomous, mm -hmm. uh, learners should also have a freedom of choosing their own partners in the classroom. Uh, because the key word for being socially autonomous is about collaboration and communication. So students have, or learners have to collaborate with each other inside and outside the classroom as well. So if, if, if they are autonomous in be, uh, collaborating with each other, then they should be allowed to choose their own peers. They should yeah. also be allowed to join different types of groups in the classroom, not like being in the same group every week so or being with the same person every time. Okay. So post-method pedagogy does not suggest uh, like being in the same group, in the same, like with the same peer you know pair with different peers and uh right. basically be like they allow the students to get into other teams as well right that that increases collaboration and communication with the students of course of course uh, yeah. and we should remember that if we have the same student with the same peer with uh, sitting in the same place joining the same group yeah that is the danger of sameness Exactly. <laughs> so, sameness is very dangerous because Definitely. the students will be bored and they will not have different chances for learning the language because you are talking about learner autonomy and uh, academic autonomy in the post-method pedagogy. Mm -hmm. So if we don't give them these chances to meet different people, to sit with different people, to join different groups, uh, it means we have not focused on increasing this collaboration in the classroom. The, that, that's the, the learner. That's the learner in the post-method pedagogy. But teachers... What about teachers? Uh, yeah, teachers are also... Should, they should also be like autonomous in, in choosing their own method. That's, again, we go back to eclecticism. Yeah. Uh, we should not force them to follow one specific method. Uh, and the teachers should also be autonomous in like adapting themselves into the curriculum and into the teaching philosophy or the learning philosophy of the country uh, because sometimes 
when you stick yourself to one particular teaching method or one particular like course book, uh, you may not provide enough chances for the students to learn and to uh, to communicate with each other. But sometimes teachers should be free in adapting the curriculum, in adapting the course book as well by uh, having extra materials, by adding new instructional practices to the teaching process. In that case, the students will get more benefit from these different things. That's variety as opposite to sameness. Sameness, yes. Because sameness is, is, is very dangerous. It's dangerous, definitely. Right. Uh, that's about the autonomous case. But in terms of another role that teachers should play in mm -hmm. the post-method age or the post-method pedagogy is doing a lot of uh, action research. Oh. So action research basically means uh, those different types of studies that teachers conduct in order to solve a teaching problem. Uh, what we mean by a teaching problem here is that, so throughout your professional experience in the classroom, uh, you have maybe notes different types of problems in the classroom, like learners may have problems in, uh, with, with learning uh, a particular aspect of the language, or maybe learners may have problems with uh, not solving uh, a, 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 an instructional like practice in the classroom. In the classroom. Uh, yeah, throughout your professional experience, maybe you have noted down some problems that your learners have in, in learning the language in general. So you are trying to conduct research so that you solve these uh, different types of teaching problems. Uh, for example, let me give you an example about that. Okay. Uh, throughout my professional experience, I have found out that micro-teaching, which is very important for teacher preparation, especially preparing the students for uh, practicum sessions in the fourth stage, uh, micro-teaching has not been practiced very well in the classroom. Oh. They, they have been only given like 10, 10 minutes, but these 10 minutes are given usually to, uh, to focus on like choosing a teaching point and teaching them in 10 minutes. Usually students do not have a clear understanding about how to start micro-teaching, how to continue micro-teaching, and how to end micro-teaching, and how to choose materials for their own micro-teaching. Yeah. This has been a teaching problem for me because when I ask the students to give a presentation or a micro-teaching about a teaching point, they usually didn't know how to start, how to continue, and how to end. So. I found out that why shouldn't why shouldn't I solve that problem by giving them different types of guidelines and uh, showing them some examples of good recorded micro teachings so that they watch these different recordings at home and try to replicate the same ideas in the classroom uh, and mixing them with their own styles in the classroom so uh, uh, that's why my my PhD thesis is about solving these different types of teaching problems because I try to find out yeah I try to find out uh, how to increase the chances of doing micro teachings in the classroom especially by using technology. Yeah, great. Uh, th that that would be one of th that was one ex one example of of uh, like doing action research and focusing on 
solving a teaching problem in, in, in the classroom. So in brief, teachers have two roles, being autonomous and doing a lot of action research. research. And learners have one role, which is being autonomous, autonomous. But inside being autonomous, they have to be academically autonomous and socially autonomous, yeah, autonomous. as well. Okay, right. great. Um, you talked a lot about, uh, you know, teachers and learners' uh, roles in uh, post-method pedagogy. Uh, I think there's one, one, one more thing. There are three parameters in post-method pedagogy. Will you please reflect on these parameters, like briefly? What are sure. these parameters? Uh, thank you for yeah. Thank you very much for asking this important question because it's actually related to the uh, post-method pedagogy in in general. So uh, we have three parameters. So the first parameter is known as the parameter of particularity. So parameter of particularity means any teaching method that we are trying to use in the classroom should be uh, must be sensitive to a particular group of students uh -huh. with a particular group of uh, teaching context and with a particular group or with a particular teaching program. So this that's why particularity comes from these different particular, particular words. Particular, particular, particular. <laughs> yeah, in, in general, in general, particularity is actually related to being local. Uh, this means that, for example, when you think that communicative language teaching, for example, is a good method or a good approach to be used in the classroom, before using it, you have to think about whether this method or approach is sensitive or works well with our students and match the instructional practices of our teaching program or not. Because sometimes this method might be good in some places, but, but it may not work well here. That's why teachers should be careful about choosing methods or making their own methods because they should be uh, suitable with the goals, with the, with the instructional practices of this particular teaching context. Yeah. The second uh, parameter is actually related to the parameter of practicality. So practicality means anything that you choose for your teaching must be practical in the classroom. You should not focus on something that cannot be like applied or practiced well in your teaching context. In general, practicality means the relationship between theory and practice. Uh -huh. uh, in the past, uh, in the past, usually teachers focused on like applying a theory in their teaching. For example, behaviorism focused on like imitation and repetition. And audiolingual method tried to apply this theory in a teaching method to see how much this theory works in the classroom. Mm -hmm. But in post-method pedagogy, it is vice versa. In post-method pedagogy, teachers should not apply like the existing theories. They should make their own theories from their own instructional practices. How is that? Uh, this means that this means that they should theorize practice, not applying theories in their own practice. Mm -hmm. uh, to be more clear in this way, uh -huh. 
okay. teachers have like imagine if a teacher ha uh, has like taught for about five years and throughout these five years of teaching experience he found out that this way of teaching might be very good with this group of students so this means that from his own teaching experience created a theory that is about how to teach this group of students better than rather than applying someone's theory in the classroom uh, which might not be working well with this particular group of students yeah. that's why if you apply someone's theory in your teaching practice you after one year you may find out that oh that was not very much interesting for my students that's why next year i will change it yeah but if you create a theory from your own teaching practice that would be always practical because you have experienced it you have already tried it you have already applied it and you have already found out how it works with your students in the classroom exactly. that's why practicality means this means anything must be practical anything that teachers use must be practical in the classroom especially the teaching method must be practical and how can we make it practical we should theorize our teaching practice rather than applying a theory in our teaching practice. the existing ones the existing ones thank right, you very right. much uh and uh, the last one which is possibility possibility is another parameter is actually related to the relationship between our teaching practice with our uh, political dimensions and uh, social experiences because we know that students are coming from uh, uh, are coming from the society and society is also connected with political parameters political experiences and uh, social having different social experiences yeah so we as teachers should not neglect these political and these socio-cultural experiences that the students bring with themselves into the classroom so our teaching materials our way of teaching our activities our evaluation procedures should match these different types of socio-cultural experiences that their students bring into the classroom great great well uh, to be honest i'm like uh, impressed because uh, <laughs> i have personally witnessed such sort of let's say particularity practicality and even uh, the like possibility these three parameters but i have not thought of having basically uh, i have not thought about uh, having such sort of post method pedagogy and having these parameters but today i learned a lot from you thank you very much actually thank you um, very much. i'll have to explore more on my own after the episode <laughs> Um, I think well, I can help you with that because uh, post-method pedagogy actually came, like, uh, has been explained in detail by Kumara Vadevelo. Really, uh, Kumara Vadevelo is uh, is uh, is one of the leading scholars in in teaching and in in pedagogy in general, and most of the ideas that you have like uh, experienced today in in our discussion uh, actually came from. Kumara Vadevelu 2006's book. Uh, I can share it with anyone who asks for it. We'll, we'll take a look. Uh, I'll personally take a look. <laughs> uh, see what is going on. 
I think right. uh, that is pretty much everything, but I think I'll have two more questions. I remember I asked you, what do you mean by being eclectic? So um, are these two things like post-method pedagogy and eclect being eclectic or eclectic approach, are they related or are they the same or what? I mean, uh, since we have this sort of e being eclectic or eclectic approach, then what is all uh, this post-method pedagogy? Where did this come from? Okay, well, eclecticism, as we mentioned before, is about choosing, uh, yeah, making your own method of teaching from different uh, types of methods, like choosing good points or positive points from different methods and creating one for yourself, like being uh, selective. That's what it means. Uh, Post-method pedagogy actually goes hand in hand with eclecticism because uh, post-method pedagogy does not support one particular method. Post-method pedagogy is against method-based pedagogy. Uh -huh. uh, that's why if you use one method for your teaching, that is not about post-method pedagogy. So uh, being eclectic or being selective, which might be possible, practical, and particular to particular yeah. situation, these are the parameters yeah. again. In that case, we are we are focusing on or we are applying the post-method pedagogy perspective if we are eclectic, if we are selective. But if we follow one particular method, of course, that's not what the post-method pedagogy says. So yes. in conclusion, post-method pedagogy and eclecticism go uh, together or they are like, like just related to each other but they are not synonymous to each other synonymous because post method is more i believe comprehensive especially when it comes to the parameters yeah more comprehensive or broader right yeah yeah so one more question uh although this could be a little bit weird when i'm asking this question but is it the best what is your own personal take about this method? Well, personally, I don't think that there is the best method in the world. It doesn't matter whether it's related to post-method pedagogy or the methods era pedagogy. Era. So basically there's no, <laughs> there are no best methods. No, or there's not no a best, best method, method in the world. No. Great, great. The best method is the one that works in your classroom. It doesn't matter what kind of method it is. But maybe today it is the best, but tomorrow it may not it's, be the best. It may not be the best. Students. That's it why we cannot be. say, yeah, the, we cannot say that there is best method in the world. Dr. Hauraz, thank you very much again for your precious time. Uh, we actually had um, a lot. We talked about a lot. Uh, we actually discussed uh, post-method pedagogy in detail. Uh, this will, inshallah, will not be the first and the last time uh, like your presence on, on the show. We will have other collaborations in the future, inshallah. Uh, thank you all. Uh, but before I wrap up everything, doctor, any last words you would like to mention to say? Uh, no, actually, I was very uh, happy and enjoyed this discussion. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks again. Thank you all for listening those who are listening to us on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And thank you all for like all of you who are watching us on YouTube. That is all about post-method pedagogy. 
Thank you very much again. Catch you in the next episode. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye-bye.